guys. Oh, 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 hey. John. Oh, oh, I'm so excited. Say, welcome to Shaken and Disturbed again. <laughs> uh, John, you're still here. I'm still here. We haven't left. Yeah. I mean, we're still here doing the show. Why, you know, I have no reason to leave. In fact, as you could hear at the top. You're obsessed with me. I'm obsessed with you. I'm obsessed with yeah. the show. By me the too. way, doesn't it feel nice? Like, here we are in May. It's been two months into Shaken and Disturbed. And it's so fun. Like, Darren and I were just speaking just before the show started about, like, some shows we want to do in the next couple of weeks. And it just feels good to have everything up and running in a lot of ways. And there's still so much more to do at the same time, you know? Well, we're already having merch conversations because yeah. that's been a big, big topic of topic of conversation. But it just feels good to like, like even before we just commented on what documentary we wanted to do, and it's just yeah. nice to be on our own and independent. I know that's what it is, isn't it? That's it's absolutely the freedom and the liberty. Before we get into the show and the drinks and everything, Darren, I have a quick question for you because I have my own little routine before we start recording each week. Okay. And I like to have my coffee. And sometimes I'll be honest, I'll be like, Darren, I just need a couple minutes. And it's usually because I'm getting my coffee because my Keurig takes a minute. But I like to have a, a nice warm voice when we start the show. Um, mm, mm. I'm curious for you, you know, and then I set up my microphone. I have my like microphone stand extended over to my face. I have my um, my phone in front of me in case there's any breaking news, you know, the Golden State Killer type stuff that was happening last summer. I saw that while we were recording. Do you what is your routine, if anything, when it comes to recording our show? Now, I know you have other podcasts as well. Do they do they differ? Just curious. Um, well, I think being remote now has kind of made it like I'm in my studio. So where I'm at, like usually everything's kind of already set up. I mean, I know we don't use camera for this, but where yeah. my mic is, is also where my whole setup is for my people TV show. So like right. my camera set up, lights are all set up. So basically I just make sure that everything's in working operating order. Um, I know mm -hmm. for a few weeks, my microphone wasn't that great. So <laughs> I've been checking that every week now. And I usually just pour myself a drink. I read the research, uh, yeah. prepare anything that I got and and I'm kind of ready to go I mean I think for me the my my biggest strength when we record outside of obviously having like our thorough notes and everything and what we want to say mm -hmm. is like any type of jokes or humor that we do I prefer ad lib and like total, oh, total improv it. like I never think about that stuff because no, I just kind of go into it because I think that that's where I like I always want the audience to see you and I's like natural conversation <laughs> of things you know yeah totally I mean we do build this as a slight comedy podcast I guess we we don't like I don't think we don't mean to be funny. I'm we're not just, a comedian. Our, yeah, we're not no, comedians. Our, our friendship is just funny, and we like to make <laughs> yeah. fun of each other a lot. I would right. say. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, well, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm just very curious because you know we were talking on our um, a recent. I don't know where it was, our Patreon live stream or something. I don't even remember. We've done so much recording lately about, you know, if I come when I if and when I come back to New York City, like where we're going to record. And then you were you reminded me that you have your whole studio there now. And I'm like, ooh, the shaken and disturbed official studio at Darren's apartment. I like the sound of that. So I yeah, can't wait I'm to come see it. I am so excited for you to come here, and we can actually drink in person together, uh, yeah. which we haven't done in so long. In fact, what are you drinking today, actually? So I'm drinking my coffee, as I mentioned, and I don't know if I did this in last week's episode. I know in a recent episode I did, but I put, did put some Baileys in it, so it's spiked mm -hmm. again. I have a bottle of this Baileys in my fridge that I've had forever that I'm trying to get rid of, and then once I get rid of that and even some of this whiskey, I'm going to take the plunge, Darren, and, and like 
get some other alcohol here in my house because quite frankly I kind of forget by the time we're recording that I should probably have something else to drink besides the same three things every single week Um, I would suggest you know lightening your I would say you know expanding your repertoire of what you can drink Um, it's also kind of fun for me like sometimes I look up recipes obviously that have to do with the case sometimes it's just like what I'm in the mood for I think you know like it depends like and today in New York City uh, this is kind of the first turnover day of May, which is what I call it, when it's, like, going to be nice and warm out. Like, it's not okay. going to dip now below 50. You know, like, Good, you know those days not. where it's, like, we're in the 70s now kind of fully. So I'm yeah. drinking a rum and Coke Ooh. to kind of just expedite summer in my mind. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not usually a dark liquor fan in the warmer months, although I love a dark and stormy. I've gotten my brother into that. Um, but I haven't had a rum and Coke in a while. And to be fair, it's a rum and diet Coke, which I know doesn't give you the same feel, but I do find that the sweetness of the rum and the sweetness of regular Coke is like yeah. too much for me. Yeah, yeah, So I yeah. think the diet Coke just it's not as sweet tasting. So yeah. it kind of like cuts it a little bit for me. So I enjoy that, even though it gives me absolute summer vibes. So I'm I love rum and diet Coke today. Yes. I love the sound of that. Speaking of summer vibes, two of my friends here in town have pools and they both texted Shut me today up. that they're open. So summer okay, has well, arrived. Thanks for that invite. Dude. By the way, you should come here, by the way, if you're ever free on a weekend, it would be so fun to record with you here because we're both fully vaccinated. That's um, right. We can be together and you can like, you, I could take you to my, my high school and like the place I used to make out with guys in cars <gasps> and all the fun I'll locales. I'll Yeah, you'll uh, be there. <laughs> to know where you make yeah. out with boys and cars? I know. We'll sh- uh. I'll show you everything. Um well, not everything, but you know, yes. everything. Um, but yeah, do come <laughs> if you want to. It's a fun little mountain town. I think you would enjoy it. Although then if you die that weekend that I come, people are going to blame me. Do I really want that responsibility? <laughs> I mean, like, You're what all, are the chances here? You were doing it for the show, you know, for the content. So it's fun. You know, I kill for the content yeah. here. Oh, um, I love that. I'm, I would love to do that. And, and I can't <laughs> wait. We can. I would love to record in person. Yeah. In fact, should we get into this week's yes. case? Yes. Let's get into it. This episode was actually sent in. Well, this case, I should say, was sent in by Patreon supporter Tiffany, who actually, yeah, who actually first mentioned this during our Patreon live stream a few uh, weeks ago, Darren. She actually had a connection with this case, and we'll get into some of that later on in the episode. Um, But it's really exciting. I'm, I, I remember this. I'm really happy we're doing it. Obviously, this is just a reminder. If you have a case that you would like us to consider yeah. as an episode on Shaken and Disturbed, we're independent. So we can really cover our own That's shit right. now. So let us know in our Facebook group or sign up and submit instantly on Patreon, patreon.com slash Shaken and Disturbed. Warby Parker is committed to providing exceptional vision care online and in stores, offering eyeglasses, sunglasses, eye exams, and contact lenses. Glasses start at $95, including prescription lenses. Sunglasses, progressives, and blue light lenses are also available. Darren, I know you're a huge Warby Parker fan. We both got sent the home try-on kit, and what did you think about the glasses? John, I've been wearing Warby Parker for years, okay? Not only do they have exceptional service, but they have a mound of different glasses to choose from. I've actually been getting the topper for years. In fact, I just got a new pair and a new color. I like the clear frames. They just frame my face so well. They're so effective. I absolutely love them. And to be honest with you, I bought them in all the Yeah, and I loved the home try-on kit. It came in a nice little box. It had five pairs of sunglasses in it. 
They were all labeled. You got to try them on. You could take them out and about for a few days, see what your friends think about them, see who compliments you the most. And then after a couple days, you just put them right back in. It comes with uh, prepaid postage. You tape it up, put it in the mail. It could not be simpler. And I thought it was such a unique and cool way to figure out your style and figure out which glasses you want to wear for the long term. Another cool thing is that Warby Parker styles range from extra narrow to extra wide, so it's going to fit all face shapes. Warby Parker now offers contact lenses, including their very own daily contact lens, Scout by Warby Parker. Scout is a comfortable, breathable, and affordable daily contact lens. A 90-day pack is only $55. Try Warby Parker's free home try-on program. Order five pairs of glasses to try at home for free for five days. There's no obligation to buy. It ships free and includes a prepaid return shipping label. Try five pairs of glasses at home for free, guys, at warbyparker.com shaken. Okay, so let's get into the details of this case. And thank you again, Tiffany, a Patreon supporter, for uh, making us aware of it. Yes, thank you so much. War so Ward Weaver III, which is a tough little name to say, was born April 6th, 1963 in Northern California to Trish and Ward Weaver II. Already red flags are coming up. Do you know why? Because you're a John Thrasher V. Well, that, yes. I am the fifth John Thrasher somehow. Um, but also, Darren, Northern California. It's like, what is going on in California? That's, you know something bad's going to happen if you you're in Northern California. You know something bad. Exactly. Well, in 1967, when Ward was four years old, his father left his unhappy marriage, later being drafted into the Army and sent to Vietnam, but maintained contact with his three children, Ward, Teresa, and Tammy. Can I just interrupt you there? Because it sure. just, I forgot this thought. Um, yeah. Did you hear that Michael, you know, Michael B. Jordan? Did you hear that Michael B. Jordan um, story about how when he has a son, he's not going to continue the tradition and do Michael C. Jordan? Because <laughs> his dad is Michael A. Jordan? Well, can I tell you something? Um, that will be up to me because I will be the other father of his son. Right. right. I, I forgot about that. I forgot about that. I am in fucking love with Michael B. Jordan. I don't know if we've ever shared this I on mean, the show. I mean, he's a gorgeous man. Oh, my God. Lori, Steve Harvey's daughter has him all wrapped I up know. right now. So we have there to you have go. a conversation, the two of us. Um, yes. Anyway, back to Ward Weaver. <laughs> I just had to say that little side. No, words. that's good to know. That's good to know. Well, that same year, Trish met a man named Bob Budrow in a hotel bar whom she soon married. However, her second marriage wasn't any happier than her first, as Bob turned out to be an unstable and abusive alcoholic mm. who frequently beat the three children and his wife. Terrible circumstances here. Oh. Um, as a child, Ward... It's so hard to say Ward for some reason. Like Ward, Ward. is a weird... Ward is a weird, is a weird name. <laughs> Ward is a weird word. Say that ten yes. times fast. Ward is um, a weird word. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> that's weird. I liked when you did it. Anyway, <laughs> as a child, Ward would frequently beat up his younger siblings. His half-brother, Robert, was uh, has recounted to the press about a technique he developed early on to withstand those beatings. He would take a deep breath and hold it in for minutes at a time, using the oxygen deprivation as a tool to decrease the pain of the beatings. Now, I have wow. never heard of this. We have done, over the course of our careers, Darren, hundreds and hundreds of podcasts, especially true crime ones, and a lot of them have dealt with this kind of abuse, and I have never heard of this being a technique. Have you? I haven't, and I wonder if this is a technique that's like in wrestling or boxing mm. or something, maybe. I don't... 
maybe UFC. I don't know. I've never heard this. This isn't my sort of area expertise. But just right. now when I'm thinking about it, if I'm like holding my diaphragm, yeah. like I would imagine it being a little bit Ugh. less painful probably because you have tighter muscles. Like, I don't maybe. know. Because you're like oh, kind of, when yeah. you're taking in a deep breath and you're holding it, you're kind of engaging your core. I could be completely wrong about this. So if we have anybody that knows anything about it, I'm going <laughs> to yeah. look it up. But it does seem like, that could work. I just had never heard that before. Yeah, there's something about it. I think you might be right about the muscle thing. My my dad's a big um, boxing fan. I'm going to ask him about ask it. Ask him. Yeah, ask him. Well, So Ward's younger sister, Tammy, has also spoken out about her brother's cruelty, stating, quote, He thought it was fun to take his BB gun out and shoot me in the back a couple of times with it, end quote. And I remember, yeah. Darren. No. No, that's... You shoot your eye out, kid. You shoot your eye out, kid. But, like, that was definitely a thing. But when I was younger, my sister and brother got BB guns for Christmas. I'm thinking probably out of the um, lore of a Christmas story, you know? Like, it's just a typical thing. And I remember being so terrified. I'm like, these kids are so young. Like, they're going to shoot somebody. Thankfully, they didn't. It was just BBs, and I don't even Uh know what happened to them, but... I mean, I got to say, I never grew up around BB guns. I don't know if that wasn't just like none of my friends had it. I don't know if that was just like a northern jersey. I obviously knew what they were, but like I never experienced them. But I will say, having grown up with a Christmas story, but also just knowing about BB guns and (laughs) also biggest fear is spiders and going blind. It does seem very precarious to just have like young kids with BB guns. I know, yeah. I just, I just... Because there seems to be probably a high likelihood of them going blind. I don't know, but that <laughs> yeah. that would terrify me, and I'm not sure I would let my kids have them. No, def- I definitely wouldn't. I mean, it's and what you were just saying about the location, like, I lived in the country here in Western Maryland and parts of Pennsylvania, so, like, it was very commonplace to have these. And I imagine, guns. right, yeah. exactly. I imagine it's kind of like a territory, although I'm curious yeah. to hear if any of our international yeah. listeners grew up with that either, or anywhere around the country, because... I don't know. I, I knew what they were. I just ne- it yeah. wasn't like a toy that yeah, we totally. ever had. Yeah. Well, Tammy went on to state, quote, we were never a family. We were six people growing up in the same house in a very violent house. Ward has put me through so much hell for years after I left. I had nightmares about him. And oh of course God. she would. I mean, think about that kind of it's probably PTSD related. Um, Absolutely it is. Yeah. In February of 1981, Ward enlisted in the U.S. Navy Reserve. And then in April of that year, one of Ward's teenage relatives accused him of rape. Ugh, this this guy. After police interviewed the girl, they declined to press charges. Ward was scheduled to ship out with the Navy soon. So authorities decided, quote, it was useless to pursue the abuse charge, end quote. You know, I do wonder a little bit, obviously not excusing this because, you know, to pursue the abuse charge, I mean, rape is rape. But I do Mm -hmm. wonder a little bit if in 1980s, early on, post-Vietnam a little bit, they might have been maybe a little bit more easygoing, for lack of a better term, Mm. to our, like, you know, people who were enlisting or the the veterans or people who wanted to go into war. Like, it was kind of like... That's All right, they did question. some shit here. Uh, maybe. It could have just been a sign of the times. Now, I think with social media and the fact that we're not in as, as heightened a war as that, although, you know, we've been in plenty of wars. Um, mm-hmm. I just kind of wonder if that was also the mindset. Not excusing it, but, like, I can't see something like that 
happening today without that getting out into the press of some sort and at yeah. least them being, you know, discharged or at least look into the case anymore. No, it could be wrong. You're making a great point. I mean, one of the things that I think I try to be mindful of as we do these shows is like the context around society at the time, at least in American society. And that's a great point. You know, I think there's something to be said about that. And I think people, yeah. people who live through that would have have great insight but definitely something to think of but then by the end of 1981 ward began to work as a cook on board the uss coral sea a ship which was stationed in the philippines while in the philippines ward met maria stout who would later become his first wife Ward's naval career quickly tanked. Um, between January and April of 1982, his superiors reported him to f- for five instances of unauthorized absence. Now, listen, my I've had I've been in a relationship with someone who was a Marine. I'm sure many of our listeners know people who are in the military. They're that, scheduled people. <laughs> oh my God! Not only are they scheduled, like unauthorized absences are major 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 problems Um, i would imagine so i mean uh, an unauthorized absence in school could get you expelled i imagine in the uh, (laughs) navy or army or military i mean this is not good well in may of 1982 ward left the navy with an quote other than honorable discharge so not a dishonorable one but also not an honorable one um, right. Maria returned home with Ward to Portland, where they lived with lived in Trish and Bob's basement. Ward had extremely strict rules for Maria, including never leaving their home without an escort. In July of 1982, Maria was admitted to a Portland hospital with a small lump mm. on her skull. Uh, and you can probably figure out where this is going. Her medical team called the police to assist Maria, who was five months pregnant oh, at the God. time informed authorities that her boyfriend had slapped her, pulled her hair, and banged her head against the bed, resulting in the head injury. Ugh, this this is is terrible. This is horrible, but this is clearly someone who has something wrong with him. I mean... uh, For sure, yeah. Because it's not... It's clearly that he's not just... I mean, he's sort of doing this to every single person he's close to. Yeah. His siblings, his, his wife, his girlfriend, whatever. So this is kind of just like so internalized uh, yeah. in himself that it's manifesting in this horrible way. Oh, for sure. Well, Trish met up with Maria at the hospital where she tried to talk Maria into pressing charges against Ward, later stating, quote, I kept hoping someone would listen. Someone would realize there was something wrong with this guy. Someone would pick up the ball and do something, end quote. Yeah. And Darren, you're even, you know, you're just hearing some of these details. You're not even experiencing it. And you're like, hello, like something is well, wrong yeah, with a this guy. Bit. I mean, that being said, it's like, what do you do? Like, well, you totally. The authorities, and then you kind of just hope for the best. But if the authorities aren't doing anything, what the fuck do you do? Right. And then it just, you know, this is the biggest problem with the with victims being able to come out about abuse is like most of the time, especially in these domestic abuse situations, you can call the police, but you still have to cohabitate with that person. A lot of people don't have the resources to like get up and leave and move everything in one day and and, you know make a whole new life for themselves a lot of times their abusers are going to react to the fact that you're calling the police on them so absolutely there's something about to be said about that as well well however the police took down the report and arrested ward on suspicion of aggravated assault maria ultimately refused to press charges against him however See, also i wonder why it's up with that because she's trying to talk trish into pressing charges against ward but then refused to press charges against ward herself yeah i don't so, know i don't like, know why? what's going on here yeah, yeah exactly 
Guys, we really love Ana Luisa, a new jewelry line we discovered. You can check them out at analuisa.com. That's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A.com. Honestly, you guys know, I'm interested in jewelry. I'm a very simple but elegant type of gal, and I wanted to, you know, get some gold chains around my neck to really layer my different outfits. At Ana Luisa, I got three incredible gold chains that look absolutely incredible. They're elegant, they're timeless. More importantly, they look good on me every day. That's very hard to find for me. And the great part is that you guys listening right now are going to get a special discount if you want to treat yourself or your loved ones. Just go to analuisa.com slash shaken and use code shaken to get 10% off. You know, I was perusing their website and they have such awesome pieces of really timeless and versatile jewelry for such affordable prices starting at just $39. And with 10% off with the code shaken, you're kind of getting chic style at just an incredible cost. Yeah, one of the things I love about Ana Luisa is they have new jewelry posted on their website every Friday. So everything is super fresh and super chic. I gave some of these pieces to my family members for Mother's Day and they loved them. So I'm definitely going to be buying more. So go treat yourself, guys, and your loved ones and use code SHAKEN to get 10% off. We honestly, absolutely recommend them. They're a great brand for making beautiful, sustainable jewelry. Go check out analuisa.com slash SHAKEN. Code SHAKEN for 10% off or click the link right in our show notes. Well, in December of 1982, Warden Maria's first son, Francis, was born. And by 1984, Warden Maria had moved to Bakersfield, California, where Ward hoped to reconnect with his father, who was on trial for murder. In August of 1984, Ward and Maria were married. Maria gave birth to a second son, Alex, soon after the wedding. Towards the end of the year, Ward's father was found guilty of murder and sentenced to death. Oh, my God. Uh, Yeah, a lot to take in here. Yeah. Uh, On June 15th, 1986, Ward, now 23, had a fight with Maria and left home to blow off some steam. He did this by drinking six beers, six vodka screwdrivers, smoking marijuana, (laughs) doing a gram of speed, after which time he was picked up outside a bowling alley by the teenage daughters of one of his friends. Oh my God, that's a lot going on. Doing any one of those things (laughs) by itself will be enough to get you. Let alone (laughs) to get you. To get you. Let alone to doing all those things simultaneously. At the same time, right. The girls picked him up in their van, later pulling over so Ward could relieve himself. Uh, Instead, Ward opened the vehicle's passenger door and hit the 15 year old sister in the head with a block of concrete. Oh my god. He then grabbed the older sister who was only 16, put her in a headlock and put her down, put her and pulled her down, excuse me, to the floor of the vehicle and the girls reported the assaults. Ward was sentenced to 3 years in prison. Well, there's that. So I'm glad they lived to tell the tale of at yeah, least really. being able to report on this guy. And in January of 1988, Ward was released from prison, at which time he and Maria moved to Canby, Oregon, where they opened a small shop. Now, again, Maria is still with this dude. Yeah. Knowing that he assaulted, like, 15 and 16-year-old girls. Yeah. Also. Yeah. Keep yeah. that in mind. Just keep it in mind. Now, in 1993, Maria divorced Ward and filed a restraining order There we go. Him. There we go. There we go. But it took five years yeah. after that. Yeah. After him being in prison. Now, the decision may have been due in part to Ward getting involved in selling meth and cocaine. We don't really know. But in July of mm-hmm. 1994, Ward, who was now 31 and a father of four, was set up on a date with 18-year-old Christy Sloan. Okay, 31, 18. We've seen this a little bit in Hollywood before, a la Scott Disick and mm. Lisa Rinna's daughter, Amelia. But we've seen this before. Not a fun age difference to think about, I think, with, especially with the maturity of an 18-year-old and a 31-year-old. But yeah. 
We digress. Sure. Now, Christy <laughs> liked Ward. Nothing illegal. Yeah. Nothing illegal yeah. so far. I know Christy liked Ward at first, although was soon shown his dark side, recounting to the press how she once watched him t- chase down his son Francis and slapped him so hard Ugh. he left a handprint on the side of his face. It, this know, is like, there's so much child abuse. It's like somewhat it's disgusting. disgusting I, yeah. I wonder, and I'm going to put this out to our uh, our listeners who are maybe parents. Um, if you saw somebody on the street abusing their kid like this Mm. what's the obligation of somebody else like do you intervene do you call child protective services if you don't know these people like what are you supposed to do and then and i see and i mean like seeing an act of violence not assuming that because the kid has a bruise or something you know like my my mom often talks about how when my brother my brother tripped and fell and got a bruise underneath his eye when he was a kid he tripped on some stairs Mm -hmm. and like the looks that she would get in the supermarket you know because everyone's assuming and they're like no my he just you know he's a kid he fell yeah yeah of course so what is the obligation for a lay person in that regard you know that is such a great question and i often wonder how i would react in that scenario because i thankfully have not been in that scenario I think it's also a somewhat of a fine line in between how parents are simply disciplining their kids. You know, some parents think that striking your child is effective. Okay, that's your belief. I don't personally believe that myself, but okay, that might be your belief. So it's like, what is the line between discipline and, you know, abuse? And 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 everyone's line might be different. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Right. So. I think, you know, if I'm seeing something that seems like excessive, I'm definitely going to like my my scenario is like if I'm in the mall or an airport and I'm seeing this, I'm definitely at least letting security know that like, I think that this guy is being a little excessive with their child or this child. God only knows, you know, if it's their own child. Certainly, certainly a slap so hard he left a handprint on the side of his face. That is abuse. Egregious. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I would Oh, in this I'm scenario, any you're of our saying, parents, yeah, no, well, yeah, like, okay, yeah. in this scenario, like, do you step in? Step in? I don't think I could because I would be too worried about the person retaliating. Right. Um, but definitely sharing that information with the local police as quickly as possible, and yeah, yeah I would totally do that. And I'm I think. To hear as- what- everyone out there also yeah totally on this parent or not parent like for sure should you what do you think about this and i'm sure a lot of people listening probably have some experience with this sadly because this is a very common thing unfortunately that happens yeah absolutely it's gonna be hard to watch this well ward became controlling of christy just as he had done with maria forbidding her to go out alone so we kind of see how this is going here now one night, mm. Ward beat Christy with a cast iron skillet oh my God. in their Portland apartment. And this guy is just a fucking scumbag. I think yeah, I can say that. Ward sure. was jailed. However, charges were dropped after Christy told the authorities that she was too afraid of Ward to testify See? against him. That's what I'm saying. This guy is such an emotional and physical manipulator that she can't even fathom being the person responsible for potentially putting him away and this is what i was just saying a moment ago it's just like this is what happens with not just physical you know uh domestic abuse but sexual abuse mental manipulation coercive control i'm thinking of dirty john and how you know deborah was sort of cornered in that way too yeah and I should take away any sort of maybe there was even judgment in my voice now that I look at it, Maria staying with him because I'm mm. like, 
you know, there shouldn't be because yeah. I don't know what type of emotional coercive control I think as an outsider you can look and be like, I can't believe you stayed with this guy, but there's plenty of people that stay. For and sure, yeah. For unknown reasons that are perfectly valid or at least emotionally abusive and you can't get out of them. So yeah, <laughs> I retract any, any of those type of statements. Now, <laughs> Uh, just because, you know, I sort of understand now. Like, just, yeah, totally, you know, as we learned. too yeah. afraid, yeah. And Ward was home by October of 1990. It's just amazing what this fucking guy has gotten away with. I you know. know. Like, it's, it's just absolutely insane. Ward was home by October of 1994, and the couple continued the relationship, mm. and they married in February of 1996. I just hope that there's more resources out there now with the internet, oh, yeah. and social media, and people coming together and be connected for better or for worse nowadays mm-hmm, that, like, mm-hmm. people don't feel so alone in this um, and they feel that they shouldn't marry people like this but Mm. in 1997 all four of Ward's children moved in with Ward and Christy you made such a great point I was you just made me think about you know again the context of this the late 90s mid to late 90s yeah there was no internet there were no cell phones there were no you know there were like abuse groups for like you know domestic violent you know they had like abuse groups for women you know abused mothers and and stuff like that but again getting out of the house if you're not allowed to go by yourself exactly i was just going exactly that's exactly what i was going to say and who knows if those resources were even available in her area of the country you know there's just so many particular factors here well in august of 1997 ward began an affair with a data entry clerk at uh, Laclede Chain, where he worked in the shipping department. I'm hoping I'm saying that right. I just, I'm not familiar. I think familiar. it is Laclede Chain. Laclede yeah. Chain, okay. Um, despite the affair, Ward and Christy stayed together for nearly five years. Ward and his mistress moved into a rental house in Oregon City. Oregon City, Darren? I know we talked about this the other night on our okay, Patreon well, it, live it stream. It might be Oregon, but you're an Oregonian, so figure that there out, you that go. state. That's all I'm saying. Sorry, everyone in Oregon. Um, yes. Anyway, <laughs> they moved into that house in Oregon City, where his daughter Mallory made friends with her classmates at Gardner Middle School and regularly invited girls over to their house for sleepovers. Oh, Joe boy, I really hope this isn't I going like this. where I hope it or where I hope it's not going. Wait, let me say that again. I hope this isn't going where I think it's going. There we go. There you go. There you in, go. In particular, uh, Mallory made friends with two girls, Ashley Pond and Miranda Gaddis, who were not only Mallory's classmates, but also attended her same dance class. The two girls lived in the same apartment building down the street from Ward's rental home. And in August of 2001, so here we are, you know, like we were just talking about 1996 and now we're in 2001. Right. Ashley accused Ward of trying to rape her. However, oh. her claim wasn't investigated by authorities. What's the deal? I know. What's the deal? Who, whose pocket is Ward in or whatever I know. Fuck? Like, yeah. how is this happening? Well, then on January 9th, 2002, a couple months later, 12-year-old Ashley Pond went missing on her way to school. Ashley left her home that morning to walk to a nearby bus stop, but never arrived. Her friend Miranda presumed Ashley had run away without telling anyone and became frightened for her friend and angry at the idea Ashley would have left everyone behind to worry for her. Um, The girls' dance team organized a benefit to raise money for a reward for information about Ashley's disappearance. Miranda choreographed a solo routine as a special way of remembering her friend. I mean, imagine this at this age. It's so terrifying and heartbreaking. Miranda's mom later told the press, quote, Miranda started realizing that even if Ashley did run away, she wasn't coming back anytime soon, end quote. I mean, that's a lot for a kid to go through, essentially, you know? 
Yeah. I mean, it's a lot to even think about a kid running away at that age, but then, you know, not coming back. It's just, it's a whole other ball of wax. Yeah, no, it really is. The dance benefit was scheduled for March 23rd at Oregon City High School. However, Miranda never got a chance to attend. On March 8th, 2002, 13-year-old Miranda said goodbye to her mom, left for school, but disappeared on her way to the bus stop. Oh, no. So, although the community remained hopeful that Ashley had simply run away and Miranda had joined her, investigators quickly began to suspect that neither girl had disappeared on her own volition. Neither it does seem to be that, that way. I mean, uh, yeah. It seem to, yeah, it seems a little suspect. Especially given Miranda's reaction, you know, like the whole dance routine and her exactly. heartbreak. Like, you know, I think you would assume or expect that she would be aware of what the implications would be if she herself were to run away. Absolutely. Um, Well, neither Miranda nor Ashley's parents believed that the girls ran away. They all believed that the girls were forcibly abducted because the girls were not gotten, sorry, would not have gotten into a car with a stranger. Just days after Miranda's disappearance, FBI spokesperson Beth Ann Steele stated, quote, there's growing belief that the cases are related, and while there's a slight hope that they have run away, there is a growing belief that there was some kind of criminal activity involved, end quote. Authorities issued advisories to the public to be on the lookout for someone who had recently sold a car, who showed signs of increasing drug or alcohol use, and who appeared tired from being up all night. Shortly after Miranda's disappearance, Ward dug a hole in his yard, which he covered with concrete, telling people it was to become the foundation for a new hot tub. Hmm. This is very reminiscent of Gacy Mm -hmm. and planting shit in the middle of his night, you know, outside his mom's place. And she's just very reminiscent of that. Absolutely. Well, as time went on, the community began to very strongly suspect Ward of being involved with the girl's disappearance. Well, in an interview with People, one of my companies, Ward's neighbor, uh, Andrea (laughs) Perry, stated that, quote, We all informed the FBI that he was the person to look at. All Mm. the teenage girls who run around here say he's creepy. Mm. And in that same interview, a 16-year-old neighbor, Maria Vera, stated that Ward would often watch girls congregate at the bus stop a block away from his home. Quote, he would act like he was working on his cars or he just stared at us. I would get this creeped out feeling. Everybody was telling the police to look at him and they didn't. Ew, that is now, so creepy to think of like working on the car and then like stalking girls going to school. Ugh. And I don't know if like, I don't know, you know, the difference between what parents say to boys or girls. Maybe there shouldn't be a difference. I don't know. But like, I was very yeah. much so taught, like I was very aware of like one of my friends like got flashed when we were in fifth grade. Oh dear. And I just like by a guy like kind of going by and I, I, and I don't know if this was ingrained in girls but it's just like, I was kind of always to be taught to like look out for that stuff yeah. in a lot yeah. of ways. Like, I remember. Be kind oh, of suspect of that and be very aware of that. I don't know if you were taught a similar thing but I certainly was. Perfect. Yes, I definitely remember that because when I was young, there I don't know if there was like something happening in the area that like prompted my mom to do this, but um, we had a password that if anybody were ever to sort of come up to us and say, hey, I'm here to pick you up. Your mom sent me. They would have right. to know the password. And my sister, who was three year, three or four years younger than I am, I don't even remember. I don't even know at this point. I should probably know that. I'm her big brother. Um, you know, that was very important, especially to my mom. And I, I'm, re- I'm realizing now, even as you're saying that, that I think my mom was looking out for her as a young girl, which, you know, let's face it, 
there are just a certain set of circumstances that young girls and women face just being women in yeah. today's society. So, yeah. Safe word, though, is actually very smart. Parents yeah, should safe implement word. If they haven't yeah. already. Well, although it took investigators several months to focus on Ward, by July of 2002, he was one of their main suspects. And in July of 2002, Ward was brought in to take an FBI polygraph test, which he failed. Oh, although, okay. you know doesn't say much as we know those things aren't mm-hmm. highly reliable right now right. he then immediately went on the offensive talking to news media outlets about the investigation this is called doubling down <laughs> and on july on july 9th of 2002 about a week later ward talked with good morning america where he stated quote i have no problem with them looking at me as a suspect the problems are coming with what they're doing as far as questions that are being asked of my family they're telling parents of my daughter's friends not to let their daughter spend the night because i'm a prime suspect and they're daughters might be next mm. okay it seems like a very odd interview to give i was just gonna the, say yeah during the same interview ward stated that authorities were welcome to search his home at any time remember the concrete yeah fucking hot tub thing now during another interview that's probably why he feels so confident totally yeah during during another interview with the oregonian at his home <laughs> ward answered dozens of questions however when asked about the recently poured cement he became noticeably anxious, tripping mm. over his words, tapping on a countertop, and trying to change the subject. In spite of their suspicions, investigators had no evidence that Ward had harmed Miranda and Ashley. On August 13, 2002, Ward's son Francis called the police to report that Ward had raped his 19-year-old Ugh. girlfriend and throttled her neck when she resisted. Ugh. Oh, you know, just like the 19th rape, this accus- accusation yeah. against this guy, but police are not going to look into it. Yeah, now, nothing while, to see here. Now, while on the phone with a 911 dispatcher, Francis said his father claimed to have killed the two missing girls. Oh, wow. Wow. Ward was arrested for attempted sexual assault, and investigators were finally able to obtain a warrant to search the home and surrounding property. And in an interview with People, Ward's ex-wife, Christy Sloan, told reporters, quote, I'm holding the FBI responsible for what happened to Francis's girlfriend. It should have been taken care of five mm. months ago. Couldn't agree more with her. Yeah. Christy... Christy told people that after Miranda's disappearance, she continually told FBI agents to check beneath the concrete slab that Ward had installed and stated, I feel like I was talking to a wall. That has to be so frustrating. I mean... I mean, as, as all the signs that he's yeah. giving, all the... Like, they don't, like... Listen, maybe there wasn't enough evidence to search, but like you couldn't figure out how to fucking get a warrant for this fucking. I was just gonna say, it's not like you have to be a a true crime podcaster to put this stuff together. Like, here are the people closest to him that are like, "Hey, everybody, look over here," and nothing's happening. Putting flares in the goddamn sky, being like, "Hello." Well, on August twenty (laughs) fourth. The FBI began to search Ward's home. Hmm. The same day, investigators found Miranda's remains in an empty microwave box inside a shed oh, behind God. the home. Oh, God. A microwave box? Is that like a box that a microwave comes in? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm just making sure it's not like an actual microwave. Very small, but remember, she was young. And yeah. her, body, her body was partially clothed and bound with cord. The box was taped shut and covered in plastic. Hmm. Now... Now, again, this is not really in the concrete slab, though, but Ashley's remains right. were found in a barrel buried under the recently poured concrete mm. slab. There you go. Terrible. And her body was fully clothed and soaked with fluid. She had a white rope around her neck and binding her wrists and hands, pulling her body into a fetal position. Ugh. 
Her body was wrapped in four clear plastic bags wrapped inside a silver tarp inside the 55-gallon barrel. Mm. And although the autopsies listed the cause of death as homicide, meaning that death was not due to natural causes, suicide, or an accident, the medical examiner was unable to determine wow. how either girl was killed. That's very which crazy. Which is a little odd. Yeah, given that the remains didn't sound like they were completely, you know, decomposing or anything like that, you would think that there would be enough some to know way. That it, and enough to know that it was them and soaked yeah, in yeah. fluid and it does seem kind of odd because they do kind of find now not 100% affected but I do kind of find that autopsies are like the buck stops here right yeah, like all sure. the mystery ends in right. a lot of and maybe not a who did it but like a how done how it done it yeah exactly when the autopsy comes in you yeah. know where it's like yeah. even even with George Floyd's case that was a big player of you mm-hmm. know that was something that the prosecution uh, sorry, something that's something that the defense team tried to rely on. You know, they were trying to say like, yeah. uh, you know, and then the prosecution was like, no, he died of asphyxiation. The other one's like, no, he had drugs in his system. So the autopsy report is like mm-hmm. the definitive answer yeah. of the of the cause of death here. So the fact that we can't figure this out is very creepy. I agree. Well, then on October 2nd, 2002, Ward was indicted on counts of aggravated murder and abuse of a corpse, as well as the rape of his son's girlfriend. Jesus. Ward continued to give interviews from the Clackamas County Jail where he was held. On October 29th, Ward told a reporter with KPTV 12, quote, they've indicted me for stuff they have no evidence on. Zero. Yes, there were two bodies in my backyard, (laughs) but that's all there is, end quote. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, John. Yeah. John. Just two bodies. Just in a two barrel. bodies. What do you in a, mean? In a barrel and in a microwave box, taped up with plastic around. That's it. That's no evidence, John. Yeah, of course not. What do you? What, you okay. Know, nothing Just to see here. Sure on the same. Nothing to see here, yeah. guys. Just a couple of dead bodies wrapped in a really fucking weird way. Weird way under the concrete yeah. slab that you poured. Right. That yeah, I okay, poured myself. It. Yeah. No, we're good. You're He's good. good. Okay. Yeah, great. We're good. We're set. Well, he went on to state that it will be impossible for prosecutors to prove he killed the girls if they can't even answer basic questions about how they died. Definitely something a an innocent person would say, by the way. I would say that right um, now. Absolutely, yeah. During these interviews, Ward claimed to know who killed Ashley and buried her body on his property, although he declined to identify the killer, stating he would reveal the person at trial... Oh, that's great. So Raymond Grimsbow, an independent forensic scientist who reviewed the girls' autopsies at the request of KPTV, stated, quote, The reports only ruled that they were not strangled, beaten, shot, stabbed, or poisoned, and, quote, their deaths are like something out of the X-Files, end quote. So really, I mean, listen to this. They're not, they were not strangled. They were not beaten. They were not shot. They were not stabbed. Right there, those four things are like how like, people die. But then also, you know, they weren't poisoned either. So right, what the hell I'm is thinking, going like, on? How, how does someone die outside of those things? Well, there was a high alcohol count noted in both bodies. Grimsbow stated that the only possible cause of death he could identify was a 0.17% blood alcohol level in Ashley's body. Jesus. And although alcohol is produced by decomposing bodies, the levels were likely due to drinking, quote, that's high enough to kill a young girl, end quote. I mean, the the, the, the legal limit to drive is 0.08. Right, exactly. These like, that's people crazy. are at 0.17, and Double these girls it, yeah. are also very young. We're not right. talking about a 6'3", 250-pound guy. You yeah. know, I mean. No, that's a really great point. And... But again, you'd think that the autopsy would be able to, like... I guess I don't know about that, but wouldn't you think that you'd be able to kind of tell if it was like an overdose of alcohol or... 
I guess. Oh, I don't know. I, I mean, we need to get an autopsy person, a coroner on here. Is that what they're called? Yes, autopsy person? Yeah, autopsy persons. <laughs> yes. Well, Ashley's autopsy found that her body was partially mummified, which could be the result of freezing, which is a very unique kind of situation when it comes to this type of murder or this oh. type of death, I guess. The autopsy also uncovered items in Ashley's clothing, cigarette butts, styrofoam pieces, a Q-tip, and broken sunflower seeds. So those are like very odd odd items well after ward's jailhouse interviews uh, sorry interviews surfaced the presiding judge issued a gag order on ward to prevent him from speaking to the media further the judge stated that this was necessary to preserve the impartiality of the upcoming trial and that it would be unfair if potential jurors knew too much about the case in advance which is a common thing that happens uh in high profile cases i'm sure this was probably all over the news at the time however ward continued talking to the press although he claimed not to be trying to delay the trial by doing so ward i mean I this mean... guy this fucking guy <laughs> jesus ward's gag order violation caused a falling out between him and his legal team who filed a motion asking to be taken off of his case stating an ethical violation of interest and a breakdown of a working relationship because right who's going to defend somebody when they're adamantly working against their own defense i mean of course exactly well in september of 2004 i mean here we are that's not that long ago and Mm -mm. there's so many details of this case ward pled guilty to the counts of aggravated murder of miranda and ashley as well as the rape of his son's (laughs) girlfriend well finally yeah for the murders of miranda and ashley ward received consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole as well as additional time for the attempted rape charge so looks like i don't know what happened between you know him his his defense team falling out in september 2004 but he must have come to some realization that he was not going to get away with this and I do wonder why the cops took so long to pursue him. And I wonder if it was some underhanded thing or maybe it was lack of evidence. I mean, if we've kind of, we've watched enough like fake crime shows and true crime shows to know that like the police obviously want to go in with the, the state wants to go in with the best defense possible yeah, to get totally. these guys. It doesn't make sense to do something on flimsy evidence, right? And so yeah. it is possible not to just maybe judged by a true crime podcast of their delay here, but it is possible they had a decent reason. We just don't know that yet, and it makes it super suspect that it took so long for this kind of to be brought to justice, considering there were many allegations before and after he went to war. Yeah. So in May of 2007, 44-year-old Ward was stabbed by an inmate barber while receiving a haircut. I gotta say, that, I like, uh, the scissors near the neck when boys are getting their haircut, I just, like, I... Think in a prison, no less. Sweeney fucking Todd. Like I am just, I am. I think I about it every time. I am dark as a motherfucker. But <laughs> although inmate barbers aren't allowed to use scissors, only electric shavers. Mm. The barber Marvin Lee Taylor made a shank, and stabbed Ward during the haircut. You know, we all know a shank. It's kind of a, a, yeah, a yeah. knife or a weapon. You know, made in prison. Now Ward survived the attack and was mm. treated in of prison. Of 2009, two years later, Miranda's younger sister, Mariah, now 18, met with Ward to ask him about the details of the two murders, telling press, quote, I had to know what happened. It was the only way I could put it behind me. <sighs> that has this to be so, and, and like, imagine being an 18-year-old younger sister. Ugh. And going to a prison, let yeah. alone trying to figure out, like, why. And Mariah met with Ward twice. During her second conversation with Ward, he admitted for the first time to killing both Gort. Go, both girls, excuse me, and Cordy pled guilty, but not make actually make an admission, which yeah. is a little bit 
different. In an interview with Pamplin Media, Mariah talked with Ward's description, uh, talked about Ward's description of how he had killed both girls with his bare hands and how he'd hid the bodies from police dogs by moving them around. Mm. Ward also told Mariah he'd planned to kill her next. Again, oh. killing them, killing them with her bare hands, though. Again, wouldn't the autopsy? How do you do that? If yeah, you're right. Them? Right. Like what? What are you doing to them? I guess they just don't know enough about this. But yeah, Ward also so he was planned to kill her next. And Mariah told her interviewer that she'd become so shaken mm-hmm. and one would say disturbed by the conversation that for a while she grew suicidal. Mm. But she was able to pull herself back, deciding instead to honor her sister's memory Good by for her. planning a vigil. Good wow, for her. This is an impressive fucking eighteen-year-old. Yeah. Miranda said that she was planning to begin taking criminal justice classes at Portland Community. College, hoping she'd be able to help others. Quote, now I can say I'm dealing with all this stuff now. In 20 or 30 years, I can say I dealt with it and I'm helping others understand they are not alone. Let's give a clap for Mariah, by the way, because I mean, seriously, if there's ever one thing that can come out of these horrific, uh, like fucked up murders, it's like the survivors and the family members, if they can turn it into a positive thing, then what better of a a situation can you make out of it? So, and to do this at such a young age, it's just very inspiring. So Mariah, if you are listening, we are here for you. We are very proud of you and very supportive of you, but what a fucked up story. And this is kind of an interesting thing, just from my standpoint, talking, you know, about your career and sometimes how your career and your passion can find you, depending on like the circumstances and hardships of your life. You know, I know so many people just in stories that I've read or or cases that we've covered that were, you know, domestic violent uh domestic yeah. violence victims that then went to go you know start a nonprofit yeah. or start a, a rescue in some sort of way and it's just it's really incredible the human ability to do this and I know. Mariah is a is a true example what a fucking case what yeah. a fucking douchebag what I a mean. fucking douchebag um, yeah, exactly. So we should also say thank you again to Tiffany, uh, our Patreon supporter, thank you, for Tiffany. letting us know about this horrible case. But I love that it ended on some kind of a positive note because God knows not all of them do, unfortunately, on this show. Un- yeah, unfortunately. But let us know what you thought about this week's episode. Let us know some of the questions that Darren had throughout the episode in our Facebook group. You can find us on social media uh, at Jay Thrasher and at Carpe Darren on Twitter and Instagram. Um, we're very interested in what you guys have to think, uh, have to say rather about our shows and the cases. Darren, let's also end on a positive note with our listener shoutouts. Um, I'll it. take the first one. Yeah, yeah kick it off. Jenna in our Facebook group commented about our Patreon after show, uh, which is now, by the way, officially titled NMR, not murder related. Darren, you're killing it with all these title, com- you know, names. I think you're you've got a, a skill set here. Hey, this um, was our Facebook group. I mean, they gave us the inspiration. Oh, for did it, they? So That's right. Give, well, you know, because we were like, we're so old. We're yeah, like, yeah. NMR, looking it up that, uh, you know, we got inspired. So uh, you're welcome. Thank you, guys. Yeah. And in the after show that we posted exclusively on Patreon, um, I talk about seeing Elijah Wood in person and how handsome he is. But Jenna commented on, uh, on that comment recently in our Facebook group saying, quote, one time I saw him on the streets of Hollywood. I yelled his name and he went running in another direction and ran into a building to watch him <laughs> to watch him run was a sight end quote <laughs> so thank you jenna for that hilarious imagery of elijah wood oh. running from you on the streets of la that's amazing i love this yeah. i love this so much well 
We wanted to give a shout out to Jay Nicole in our Facebook group who said she was sad to have missed our Patreon mm. live stream. Don't worry, Jay Nicole. You can join our next one, which That's is celebrating right. my birthday. That's right. Uh, it's coming up already Wednesday, May 26th. At 8 p.m., I am looking forward to seeing all of you there. If you haven't joined our Patreon yet, please do. We could use all the support we can possibly get, and then yeah. you can hear all of our NMR conversations, which, you know, sometimes embark on Elijah Wood and Deep Impact <laughs> conversations, and sometimes don't. You never know what you're going to get here deep on Shaken Impact. and Disturbed. Deep Impact. I forgot we talked about that. That's hilarious. Th yes, that's right. But this was a very disturbing case. That's right. And uh, just a horrible one, and so... Again, thank you, Tiffany, and thank you to all our listeners out there, and we will see you next week. That's right. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye.